You're listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D, where we share all things related to photography. Welcome to episode 18 of Photo Tea with Anissa D. For today's episode, we're going to be diving deep into the art of underwater photography. And to join me, I've brought on a very special guest, Amalia Serafimaki. So Amalia, could you please introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and where you're from. First of all, Anissa, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I really, thank you for being here. I, I admire your work so much. I think you're a great asset to the photographic community, like both as an artist and as an educator. So I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. My name is Amalia Serafimaki. This is quite a complicated surname to pronounce. Like I challenge people to repeat that all the time. I was born <laughs> and raised in Athens, Greece, and I'm a self-taught portrait photographer based in Greece. Awesome. When did you first get into photography? I think I think I was always into it. Like I distinctly remember the first time that I held a digital camera. Mm-hmm. It was my uncle's camera. I think it was an Olympus point and shoot. And I was like super young. I was eight years old and I remember being blown away. I thought like this is the most interesting game console I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, eventually as a family, we had the camera lying around. I was always playing around with it. And then growing up, I got my own beginner's DSLR. I think it was a Canon 400D with a kit lens. And I realized, okay, as time went by, I never stopped shooting. So this thing here that other people don't find as interesting, for me, it's, it's here to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. And And like, how did that progress from like, when you were starting off with shooting to where you are now, at what point did you kind of see it more as like, you know, this could be like a profession and and a job versus like a hobby? I think it was very organic. Like, Mm -hmm. as I said, I never stopped shooting. Like I got to know my gear even more. I got to experiment even more. I started shooting friends. Like things were getting a little more serious every time because I asked friends, you know, I started shooting friends and then I asked them to pose and then, you know, I had a a, a composition in my mind and I tried to replicate that. So Mm -hmm. up to a point, I think it was a hobby. And then I realized that, okay, I'm doing this too much. Friends of mine were suggesting that, okay, you love this too much. So maybe you should think about it. So yeah, yeah, it was very organic. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you said you started off kind of shooting your friends. What type of photography did you like kind of start off shooting? Was it more portraiture, couples? Have you ever experimented with other types of photography? I'd love to hear what you've you've started off shooting. I think I really, I did shoot everything that was in my environment. Like if I went to field trip with school, I brought my camera with me. I shot landscapes and my friends and, and I think this resembles a little bit of lifestyle photography. And then afterwards, I narrowed down my style and I got very much into portraiture. Uh, But I'm very interested in the the human element. Like even if I shoot landscapes, there's always this human trace I'm interested in including. And in the meantime, I got into self-portraiture a lot, which is a whole different conversation. It's a very intimate experience with its own challenges. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's a feeling of, you know, amazing fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And right now, I know we're going to be talking about underwater Mm -hmm. photography. Is that what you currently shoot? Is that only what you shoot right now? Or tell me a little bit about what you're currently shooting. Yeah, of course. It's it's definitely portraiture if I had to narrow down Mm -hmm. the type. I'm very, very interested in in the, the body, the human body, and it's many, many layers and also with the connection that humans have with nature. Like I very often I contemplate the feeling of being at home when being in nature. And I love exploring that through my work. So I do love shooting people in rocky landscapes. I still do that or behind branches or trees. Mm-hmm. But for the past two or three years, as you said, I dedicated myself mostly in underwater photography because the element of water was always my favorite to play with. Like it remains the most mysterious entity to cooperate with. And, you know, it's more than a pleasure to honor its beauty. Yeah, I love that. And I'm we're definitely going to talk more about how you got into it and every, everything. Well, I guess, how did you first learn about underwater photography? Like, how did you kind of 
understand? Did you take a course? Are you self-taught? I'd love to kind of hear about that experience. I don't know how to answer that correctly, but I, I am entirely self-taught. I did a lot of trial and error. Generally, I keep telling that to people that are starting just now that the most important thing is to spend time shooting, spend time with your camera, experiment before reading any direction or tutorial. So everything new is going to just act as a lock in this knowledge that you already have. But I think I'm, I got into underwater photography because I'm lucky enough to be in an environment with crystal clear waters. You know, Greece is very beachy. There are many, many beautiful landscapes. and I just, I thought, why not go into that? The The best thing was that I was always an autopilot. I never made quite a, quite a big deal out of my art. So developing my own style, it was very, it was a slow process, but it was a steady process. So I, I had, I did not, I not, I did not do any courses. Mm-hmm. And at the time I started taking this more seriously, which was, a, was about like 10 years ago. There were not many tutorials out there. Yeah, that's a good point. Like <laughs> you didn't probably have YouTube or no. like reels to watch. So was it just like, did you read like any books on underwater photography or was really just like experimentation? I mean, how did you even feel comfortable for the first time bringing your camera underwater? I, yeah, I, I just like, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. I know it's, it's very weird. I remember like having, seeing this one photographer that had an underwater portrait. Her name is, I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Zina Holloway. So she did a, a project with underwater portraits with, uh, with uh, beautiful uh, clothing, like huge dresses. And I was like, okay, what is the, this? This is very interesting. So it's added up to my, my interests, my mood board, you know. Suddenly I was very intrigued in, in doing this myself because I, as I said, I loved water since I was very young. I found, I found, I found it mesmerizing, even the texture, you know, so I just started moving toward this type mm-hmm. of art. <laughs> yeah. Did you like ever work with anyone when you were kind of learning? Did you ever have a mentor or just like another photographer or is it really just like you'd go out on your own and just... Just really, just like like you said, trial and error. Is that really just kind of how it went? How it went about? Well, at one point, uh, I did meet an incredible photographer. Her name is Calliope. She she does portraiture as well. So she did mentor me for a few years. We shared the same passion in portraiture. She kind of has this vision of. She did this project of. Uh, Greek beauty in, in ancient Greek settings, you know, in ruins and stuff like that. So. She was very help. I'm very grateful for this experience. It was uh, a catalyst in my work, mm-hmm. I think. But I always, you know, I had this simultaneous passion in doing something on my own, you know, in in having more abstract pictures. Like I consider my 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 work as abstract portraiture. I I'm not sure if it's 100% portraits. It's not headshots or things like that. Sometimes you don't even see the face. So yeah, everything adds up as a, mm-hmm. you know, as an, an experience to the mood board you're going to create eventually. Yeah. I think we're all inspired from one another and this is very beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to like, just on my own here, conceptualize, like if I were right now to go and like attempt underwater photography, mm-hmm. I just know for me, like I, I would just have to do so much research. So I'm just, I think it's such it's so incredible just to hear that you were like completely self-taught and just kind of went for it. Cause that to me, like, it's it's just a little scary for me, like just thinking about it probably because I I just don't know anything really about underwater photography and just how to protect your gear. I mean, I want to ask you all those questions and everything because you, you now know. I know. I know. It's it's very strange. I think that's, the most important thing that I had back, back then is that I didn't have any pressure of where, where I should go artistically. I think this is very important. Like I remember now that we're talking that I had this single use camera. I think it was a single use. I was on vacation with a friend of mine and I had the single use camera Kodak, which was, uh, you could take it underwater. So I did experiment then. I remember mm-hmm. like being very young and experimenting on the beach, like underwater, just having fun and, you know, and you know, nowadays you have to filter out so much criticism and you need to filter out many things before you start because there's so much, so many people out there that have their own style. And you, even if you're a beginner, you're going to 
start worrying about where you will go and how can you compete with all these mm-hmm. pros, you know. So it's, yeah. there's a lot of peer pressure in that. And I think I was very blessed to start my my work as a young child that did not have all these stressful thoughts. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any pressure. I didn't even know I loved photography. I just did it. I didn't even know that I'm going to pursue it as a career or anything like that. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective. And I'm really glad that you you shared that. Just like not being, because other people's influences just mm-hmm. definitely play a role. And as we see, like there's always, you know, trends and things that come and go. But, yeah. you know, I will say like, when I first saw your work, I just was like taken aback, like blown away. It's so, so unique. I haven't seen anything like it. So I love hearing your perspective on that. And I think that definitely is true. Yeah, um, and I would love to kind of hear more. I know you shared a little bit, but like what what mm-hmm. speaks to you specifically about underwater photography? I know you mentioned you love kind of nature and humans in nature, but what is yeah. it about under underwater photography and and, and all of that? Yeah, there's so many things. I think I could, I could be having this conversation for hours. <laughs> First of all, as I, look, as I said, the the water element by itself, it's very beautiful. I remember, like, I've always felt it was magic. It's like when you see the light reflecting on droplets, it's like diamonds. And also, water has a, an amazing symbolism. Like, you can use you can use the element of water because there's a lot of contrast with being fragile or fragility, softness, quiet, with a lot of strength, the vastness of the sea, the the abyss of being carried away in the deep. And it was always very intriguing to me that one can experience both liberty or suffocation in the same setting. You can use it in many different ways. I think also, like I love the quotes. I think it was Michelle Williams, I'm not sure, that says, I want to be like water. Water slips through the fingers, but holds up a ship. And I also, I love playing around with the surface of the water. It's so thin. It's it's like a fabric. And when you're underwater and you're watching the surface, it's like a very large mirror. So you can imagine how many beautiful pictures can be captured under there. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. looks like a portal. Also, the actual experience of free diving, like I'm, I enjoy being underwater because you you're being in the quiet, you're letting go of your thoughts, you can concentrate a lot. The, the session of, a, of an underwater shoot, it's, it's very challenging, but it's also, it's mystical and it's like a ritual. It's very intriguing on its own. Yeah, that's such a beautiful, just over, overall perspective that I haven't even really thought about and you just explained or just shared so beautifully so I <laughs> I'm sure that if you, it all. <laughs> if you try it out like you're gonna do wonders and I can't <sighs> wait to see honestly. oh my gosh oh, I appreciate that well I want to talk to you more because I am I feel like this summer I mean our water I'm gonna be in Chicago this summer so we have Lake Michigan <laughs> different I'm sure than than <laughs> the waters in Greece but I would love to kind of pick your brain about like what goes into an underwater shoe and just kind of go through all of the, all of the details. So the first thing is your camera gear. Like what do you Mm -hmm. currently use? How do you protect your camera gear Mm -hmm. underwater? Okay. So I'm going to try to be as elaborate as I can because I, I'm so excited. Sometimes I forget about things. So up to, I think a year, no, up to last year, I was using a an Olympus stuff. It was a compact camera, nothing very special. Like many people, you know, they expect for you to have this uh, huge set of uh, lenses and uh, DSLRs and cases and stuff like that. But my up up to a year, like 95% of my pictures now are with the Olympus stuff. It's point and shoot, just a simple camera, no case needed. It's Mm -hmm. It's an amazing piece of equipment to have, especially if you're starting. But last year I decided this was for my underwater shoot, of course, for my portraiture outside the water. I have my Canon 5D Mark III. I love this mm-hmm. camera. And then last year I thought, okay, I, I love the underwater session so much. I want to dedicate myself even more, have more exhibitions, you know, create more stuff. So I'm going to upgrade my gear. And I I did. I bought the mirrorless. I think you're using that as well, the Canon mm-hmm. R5. 
<laughs> yes, yes. And I got an iClight case. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very, very good year, uh, year to start with. Uh, I mm-hmm. have the, a portrait lens. Mm-hmm. But then there are many challenges in shooting underwater because the lights behave so differently. Like there are a lot of reflections. You need to try to eliminate the reflection that will happen on the bottom of the pool or of the sea. Because I, I sometimes I, I shoot in pools, sometimes I shoot in the sea, depending on what I want to get out of the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to start shooting, you need to get a start small because it's going to be very chaotic. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be too much information, what you have to narrow down, what you have to control. And starting small is the best thing because you need to get to know the subjects. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, after getting comfortable with it, then you can upgrade your gear. You were saying that your the first, the Olympus point and shoot that you mm-hmm. have, that you didn't need a cover for it is that what you said that it did that it can just go underwater as it is yeah yeah it does this is the this was the most beneficial part of it because i think it's called olympus stuff because it is used for people that go hiking or Mm. you know they do sports or stuff like that and so it was an all-purpose camera what have you found the difference between the Olympus Tough and now shooting with the you said the canon 5d mark three underwater like what has changed, I guess, or what's the difference between the two? What have you noticed? Okay, uh, I, I sorry, I need to correct you here because I'm and now I'm using the Canon R5, the mirrorless oh. camera. Okay, okay. So uh, there are a lot of differences, but it's a good thing. Like all, as always, with a point and shoot, you have less things to to worry about, but the end result is going to be, you know, the range the range of the end result is not so big as with a more advanced camera. Mm-hmm. The, the difficulty with the larger gear and with the more complicated gear is that you have to do everything manually. So even physically, you have to be prepared, you know, take a deep breath, be able to see the, the camera settings underwater, fix them at that point, and then, you know, decide beforehand if you're going to be zooming in, how mm-hmm. far away you're going to be with the subject. You know, the movements underwater are more limited when you have a larger gear. You mm-hmm. cannot just swim, you know, freely. And Got also, it. yeah, so you need to fit everything in one breath. I call mm. them breath sessions because, you know, you take a large breath and then you take a series of images and then at the next breath, you're going to have feedback for your model and uh, it's it's not like the the proper portraits that you kind of give feedback at that time, you know. Right. Tell the model to chin down or smile more, anything like that. You take a deep breath, you're in the moment, you're in the here and now, and then you dive out, you go out mm-hmm. and then you give the feedback. So with a large gear, you need to kind of prepare everything in, uh, beforehand and then mm-hmm. underwater you need to be very very careful because everything changes you know you're not in auto mode anymore you're not able to right. swim from here there you need to know where you're going to sit where the model is going to sit mm-hmm. but it's more specific and this is the magic because if you know what you want to shoot you need a, a, a portrait lens you okay. need something to be able to capture the, the exact feeling that you want Mm-hmm. So now that you've had kind of the experience with both the Canon R5 underwater and your Olympus point and shoot underwater, do you mm-hmm. still use both like depending on what the shoot is or do you favor your Canon R5? I do. I, I do use my Canon more because I first of all, I want to practice more. And I think that whatever my point and shoot has to offer, I can do it more elaborate with my mm-hmm. Canon R5. But it's always, you know, a good backup, backup camera to have. I still have it protected. You know, I, I do appreciate it. I might use it in the future. You never know. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm in this point of trying to figure out my gear and get to know all the settings or try the trial and error that I, that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. I'm on this stage with my gear now. Yeah. Are you able to adjust your settings 
underwater for I think this this might be a silly question, but you probably have saying. to adjust all your settings above water for the Canon R5, and then this you is go. A very up. good question. Okay. I'm, I'm serious because you are able to do that, but in my experience, it's very very distracting because you know the your model is going to be there, expressing themselves and giving you poses and you know beautiful things that are so in the moment that if your mind is on your settings, you're going to be distracted and you might as well have lost many, many good frames. And it's a shame, mm-hmm. like you might get very disappointed that you missed out on that. So I, I do recommend that you get your settings uh, fixed beforehand. Do you do test shots? Like, do you go underwater and test? Because like you mentioned that everything's so different underwater that mm-hmm. do you like do a couple test shots before you go and pose just so you mm-hmm. can see what the lighting and everything looks like? Definitely, definitely. Also, it's it's not only the lighting, but the white balance as well, because mm-hmm. as you go deeper into the water, a lot of colors disappear. So you need to be able to fix your white balance beforehand. And I also do this, like this is a very big part of preparing my shoot. Like I, I go under, I find my, my spot and then I do a test shoot. I, I test the light and then I go out and actually show the model that this is going to be our frame. This is going to be what it looks like. The light source is over there. I'm going to be sitting over here. It's a part of the warm up that I do. And I, I think that one of the most, most important things about the underwater session is the preparation. You need to be able to communicate with your model. For me, it's a friend of mine, but still it's someone that is very unfamiliar with this process. And it's, you know, it's up to me to make them feel comfortable with that. You Even physically, like you need to do breathing exercises together, stretching exercises together, and then share your vision. So if there was no test shoot, the, the model would just go in the blind. It would be very, very difficult to communicate. You know, they need to know that the feedback that I'm giving them during the session, like when we take a breath before, before diving in, let's say, the feedback is kind of based on the foundation that we have during the the test shoot. Mm-hmm. Is the test shoot something that you do like the same day or is it something that you do beforehand? Like I'm picturing a test shoot just be a completely other shoot or mm-hmm. I, I would just kind of love to hear about your preparation because that's actually one of my questions. Like okay. how can you walk us through like what the preparation looks like? Is it a whole nother day? Is it the same day? What? It, how do you prepare for an underwater session? So... It's not only the same day, it's like the same hour because the light changes mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reflections change. For example, if you're in a pool, there are so many reflections that during the day when the hour changes, it's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. So I do I do it the same day. Generally, I think, I think it's very, very intuitive. Like I do have a vision in my mind. I do have an image that I want to, to produce. Of course, the model is going to give, it's going to add up to this vision and this mood because everyone has something different to offer, especially in portraiture, you know that. Mm-hmm. And then, so I do, I have this very extensive conversation with my my model, kind of sharing what I have in mind, what if I want to like use the symbolism of the surface. Even, I sometimes even talk to them about my editing, like my post-production. I know sometimes that I'm going to to take a shot that I'm going to rotate afterwards. So I tell them gravity is going to be the other way around in this shoot. So try to imagine that you're not floating, that you're falling, let's say. Everything is very, very important to share beforehand. And then we kind of improvise based on that vision that I have. And if we want something to change drastically, we do that if it comes up. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very intuitive. And that's what I love about it. I love that. I love to hear that. I am also someone who does a lot of preparation just for my sessions. I work mostly with couples and and families, but mm-hmm. preparation, like I always come in with a vision and yeah. I think that helps so much. And like you said, it kind of, you have an idea of what you want to achieve mm-hmm. and talking through that with your model or with your clients yeah. is going to be really beneficial. I did want to ask like how you mm-hmm. come up with the concepts for these shoots. Is it something, is it inspired by something that you see? Is it inspired by just your imagination and creativity? How, how do you come up with your concepts? 
Oh, oh my God. I don't know how to answer that because <laughs> it's really, it's really just off the top of my head. Like I just come up with these images that I want to have. And most mm-hmm. of the times, you know, they're, they are, I do want to enhance, you know, f- the feeling of this qu- peace and quiet that we have underwater and maybe exaggerate that a little bit. Or I, I do want to use the symbolisms a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't have a specific procedure for it. I just come up with it. And, and it's, the, it's the thing that we talked about before that everyone has something different to offer. So sometimes the models also inspire me because let's say a friend of mine who is a dancer, she has a very different saying in these types of shoots. And another friend of mine is an actor. She's more theatrical. She, she's So there's nothing specific. It's just I come up with something and then I'm very, very excited to to work on it. Yeah, that's super inspiring. <laughs> I just love to hear that. I feel like I'm still, to be honest, I'm still working to get to that point. I definitely right now still kind of use outside things that I see and stuff yeah. as my inspiration. I would love to at some point be able to just close my eyes and and envision what I'm what I'm crafting up, if that makes sense. Yeah. It does. It does. And I'm I'm very confident about you. I'm I'm very sure that <laughs> you you will do it amazingly. And also, you know, everyone has something different to offer. And in your portraiture you see that. Like you you also are familiar with having different clients and each client is very different from one another. And you always get inspired from the person that you have in front of you because it's a, everyone has a different story. So it's the same thing in, in, in underwater shoots, but you, you kind of have to exaggerate the body movements in order to, because it's your body floating in space. So it's mm-hmm. very minimal, but also, you know, very rich as well. Yeah. It's a very nice challenge. I think I have to say. Yeah, I love I love that perspective. Just it and that's like the fun part. You know, it's kind of there's the creativity aspect, but also just the challenge of underwater photography is, yeah. is like just even more advanced. Speaking of like posing, how do you how do you pose? Like I know you mentioned that you have a vision and then you articulate that to your model beforehand, mm-hmm. but do you just kind of show up at the shoot or, or do you do some preparation at home or how do you do the posing? Do you model it yourself first? I'd love to hear all about that. Mm. So I do I do model myself at first. Like I I kind of show them what I want to to achieve. But it also depends because, for example, just recently I started using a little bit of clothing and a little bit of fabrics as props. So I I love to play around with them because they, you know, they exaggerate this floating feeling and this, it's, it's like they're flying around you. The fabrics are flying around you. Mm-hmm. So I, I always like tell them that this fabric here, you know, it seems very heavy and if you... If you carry it, it's going to seem very difficult to play with, but underwater, it's going to be flying around you. So just play with that. And then I show them some poses and I suggest some poses, but it's always different for the model because they might get challenged that the photographer doesn't have, for example, even by accident, even opening their eyes and Mm. anything like that. It might be distracting for them. And while also they might have, they might level up and then give a pose that. I wasn't even thinking of and then, you know, grab that and try it again. And so it's, we always start with something and then we see how it goes. Like you might Mm -hmm. give life to a whole different mood all of a sudden. Yeah. I love that. It's very natural flowing. Yeah. That's so helpful. I feel like we, I had like all these questions and we just kind of went through them and it's so... (laughs) It's just so, it, I love hearing about it. Um, it's I'm something so, so that glad I... Because I really, I think, I, I think that I'm, everything that I'm saying is like, okay, it's natural. It's, you know, it's your insights, yeah. these are your instincts, but it sounds very abstract, but mm-hmm. it's exactly that. And this is, you know, it's the, the thing that I always, always say to people starting out that it, just try to filter out every distraction that you have, like everything. Just mm-hmm. focus on yourself and on what you like. There's nothing... Like something that you might love, I might hate or vice versa. It's very important to to, to just let it go naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Definitely. That's my artist objective. And everyone, you know, we're all artists and we have like our own vision. That's why I love talking to other creatives because it's just so cool to hear about Mm. how your creative mind works and Mm. where you get your inspiration from and how you go about preparing for a session and capturing the session Mm. or and, and the art. So yeah, I just, I'm just soaking all of this in myself and just appreciating it. But I'd love to kind of talk to you more about light and reflection. Do you use mostly natural light from the sun, artificial light, a combination of both? How do you use lighting in your work? I I use, I strictly use natural light. I love natural light. I love how you can manipulate it. And also, you know, artificial light hasn't come up yet. So I use the sun as my main source. I think the the two types of light I use in underwater photography is hard light or soft light. So if it's a sunny day, I have this large contrast underwater. You know, the interesting aspect of hard light underwater is that you have the the shadows of the surface of the water on the skin, like you can see, it's like a large tattoo. It's very beautiful. You have these amazing textures. Whereas if you if it's a cloudy day, the light is going to be very soft. It's like you have a very, very big diffuser of the top mm-hmm. uh, above you. And the model is like, it's as if they're like uh, in an aquarium swimming around. So as you can imagine, there are different uses between these two, which are equally interesting. So these are the the two different Mm -hmm. light sources. So do you prepare, like, do you look at the weather in advance so that you know if you're going to be kind of having that more harsh light and that soft light and just go with the flow with whatever you're given on that day? Exactly. Exactly. Well, in in summertime in Greece, it's, you know, most of the time it's a sunny day, but Mm -hmm. in springtime or... uh, early fall, you are going to have some cloudy days. So I kind of, you know, I I decide that I want to have a shoot and then I check the weather. So I say, okay, this is going to be a cloudy day. And then, you know, ideas come up and I can manipulate that in the way that I want. Or if it's a sunny day, you know, I'm going to be having a more exaggerated feel in my... So it, it really does depend on that. And I do plan it because it's a very, very important thing. Like, there are only two or three things that you can manipulate underwater because as I said, the environment is very minimal. It's only two or three things to focus on. Mm-hmm. And that would be like the the model the, of the clothing and... Yeah, the clothing, mm-hmm. like the, the posing, the, the surface, mm-hmm. you know, maybe playing around with bubbles a little bit. But yeah. what, I mean, in my work, that's what I do. Many other people use many, many props. They might use, you know, flash gear. And there are also many other ways to shoot a portrait underwater. But my personal preference is, you know, tone down everything and just focus on what's going on with the model and the the body language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I did want to ask it, this is kind of like a side question, but uh-huh. once you're all completed with the shoot and you go home, I'm, I'd love to hear about like your kind mm-hmm. of your editing process. Is it minimal? Do you do a lot of editing or what does that look like? I do a bit of editing, to be honest, because the, the the raw image is going to look very flat sometimes, especially if it's if it's a cloudy day. Maybe some colors are going to be toned down. If you're deep into the water, many colors are going to be disappearing. So you need to kind of touch up a little bit of red, let's say. But mostly because I love black and white photography, I convert. I always, almost always, convert it to black and white. And you need a little bit of editing on the levels. So mm-hmm. I do, uh, I love the editing process generally. Like uh, as soon as I end, uh, I, my photo session is over, I run and just, you know, <laughs> see the images on my laptop. I love that. And it's it's very, you can play around a lot. Like you can even, you know, delete the surface of the water and just have this body flying without any context. Mm-hmm. Or you might you might even get ideas with the editing process. So most of my editing has to do with, you know, white balance, color correction, and 
converting it to black and white and then touching up the levels because, you know, there's a lot of blue. So you need to do this blue filter on black and white in Photoshop, which is something mm. that I almost always do because I want a lot of contrast. Do you do most of your editing in Photoshop or a combination of Lightroom and Photoshop? It's a combination of Lightroom and Photoshop because, you know, Lightroom is my favorite when it comes to exposure and contrast and textures. And then I always go on Photoshop to do the final editing bits. And many times in underwater shoots, I have a lot of fish <laughs> in, my, <laughs> in my pictures. So I kind of edit them out, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is very funny to see. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I do. Yeah. They're very Have curious you, creatures. They just come around and visit all the time. Might, they might be distracting sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Got it. Oh my goodness. I didn't even think about that. I don't <laughs> think we have, well... I've never experienced like a fish in Lake Michigan. So I'm just picturing <laughs> the lakes that I go and shoot at. But that would make sense if you're yeah. in the sea and everything. But awesome. And then I wanted to ask kind of about you as the photographer and actually physically going into the water. What kind of swimming and or diving experience do you need to take photos underwater? Like, do you have to have some sort of training or special equipment? You definitely need goggles. This is the most important thing. And then, okay, you need to be able to... Safety is always a priority. I need to highlight that. So mm -hmm. I need to mention that I always, always have someone, you know, a friend of mine or an assistant just being out there monitoring the shoot in case something happens. But as a photographer, I use mainly, I use goggles. And then if my gear is very heavy, I do use is it flippers? I don't know the word. Yeah. 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 Okay. I was going to ask, does that help you kind of move around faster it, too? It does. It mm -hmm. does. But not always. Like most of the times I, I need to be free because I do very, very subtle movements when I'm diving. I'm not, sometimes I'm not even moving at all. Like I just dive and get into the water and stop moving. And then I, I swim up. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you ever attempt in doing an underwater shoot, you, you need someone there to just ensure that everything is going to, it's going okay. Because mm -hmm. water is, you can't plan everything. Sometimes you might, you know, get very tired very easily and you need to be able to share that. And maybe if you're underwater, you cannot immediately share that you're tired or anything like that. So you need someone to <laughs> just look out for you. Yeah, that's a that was one of my questions was how do you ensure the safety of yourself and your mm -hmm. your models? Is there anything specific that you share with your models for their safety or like with clothing and just kind of making sure that they're they're as safe as they can be? Yes. So I do I do tell them that safety is the priority. Like we don't even need to to take many photos. If you're tired, we're just going to stop, you know. I always let them know that it's okay to say that you're tired. It's okay to take a break. Do let me know if you have any, you know, discomforts with anything. Sometimes we might get cold. If you're cold, let's just take a break. We have towels over there. So, you know, I do plan around these things because it's physically challenging and you want to rule out any other difficulty or discomfort that your model might have. It's very important to be as transparent as possible. I want that trust between me and my model because I ask a lot of them. Like, it's very difficult for the model to to be, you know, diving for a long time. And it's very, very challenging for them as well. So mm -hmm. it's a, pri a priority for me to make them feel comfortable. And it's okay if we if it doesn't work out. It's more than fine. Like we do this for, for a very good cause. It's only to, you know, have fun and play around and take photos. If it doesn't work out, it's more than okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a obviously very, very important. How long mm -hmm. are your underwater sessions typically for? Like mm -hmm. what is the common time frame of one? I think it's about more or less four hours, I would say. But oh wow! Okay, it depends. It depends on the it depends on the model and the and on the project. Sometimes, like if we're very enthusiastic, it might go like up to five hours. But I think it's a total of four hours with thirty minute breaks every like forty five minutes or anything like that. It's mm -hmm. kind of 
it depends if it's a pool, let's say, uh, the intervals of taking breaks are more specific. But if it's the sea, you know, getting into the sea and out of the sea takes quite a long time and you need to plan this in advance. Okay, that's, we're going to have a, a break now and then just go outside and then prepare everything again and go back, take the test shoot again, start from scratch. So it's different every time, but I would say like a total of four hours. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was much shorter than that, but obviously like when you think about what goes into an underwater shoot and the preparation and like you said, it's like, it's work. I mean, you're holding your breath and you're like swimming and Mm -hmm. it's a very tiring type of session I can imagine. So that, that time frame makes sense. And originally I was just like <laughs> an hour, 30 minutes, but that doesn't no, make any sense. Like that doesn't even intense, happen. Yeah. I've noticed that everyone is very enthusiastic. I am very enthusiastic. Like I can go for hours without realizing that I'm, you know, the time has passed, but it's very, very interesting. I mean, once you, in order to warm up, you need, you definitely need 30 to 45 minutes because you know, getting used to your body moving like that is something, but then creating a pose that is actually the the end result takes a little bit of time. You need to be as comfortable. You need to leave out all the distractions. And this needs a little bit, I, I think it needs more time than being outside the water because it's, yeah. it's very, very different. So I don't know. I've never thought about that actually. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it absolutely makes sense. I don't know why. It just like I needed to to ask that question, to have that process (laughs) make sense. But definitely like I can totally see a shoot like that going three, four, five hours, especially if you have different concepts or even different, Hmm. different looks and different ideas. Yeah. yeah, Five hours is maybe it's too much. I think, Mm -hmm. I think four hours is, you know, this point that you're both productive, but also very tired. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And you need to take breaks. I mean, taking breaks beforehand, before you get very tired is very important because once you get tired, you're like, okay, I want to quit. I'm I'm off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess what are some challenges that you have faced throughout your experience as an underwater photographer and how did you overcome them or what have you learned from them? As an underwater photographer, I think the biggest challenge is safety getting yourself organized enough to ensure that everything is going to be as planned, nothing will go in the wrong direction because you need to focus on art. So once you get into the artistic process, you need to not be distracted in anything else. So it's the biggest thing to be prepared in advance, having someone there to ensure that everything everything is going to be okay and making sure that your model is comfortable at all times. But I want to dive into another aspect of a difficulty as a photographer in general, which I think I want to share with you because I find it very important and very understated. So although I was shooting like forever, shooting was a second nature to me always, like it was an autopilot for me. However, I recently went through a creative block which lasted about three years. And I think not many people will discuss about that. And it's very, very interesting because mm-hmm. I, as soon as I started talking about it, I realized that many people do uh, go through that as well. Like for me, imposter syndrome and the creative block, it hit me like a bullet. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not very sure how it happened and why it happened, but the results were losing trust in my instincts, which which was my my driver (laughs) Mm -hmm. in my art. So suddenly I started overthinking about something that was 100% automatic. So I I felt like I lost my voice and it was a very big challenge. I think it was the biggest challenge I've ever had in my artistic life. Mm -hmm. But as time went by, I realized that this is a symptom of, of something bigger. And so I did my research and I did what every one of us should do in times like these, which is ask for help. So I reached out to my friends. I tried to ground myself and filter out all the judgmental voices that I had toward my work. And something else that helped me a lot is going back to my Instagram page, like visiting my Instagram page as if, you know, I'm not me. 
And I started to go through my work and through the comments that all the people wrote to me on my posts. And believe it or not, this was what helped the most. Like I, I gradually returned to myself and remembered how meaningful it is to me to feel this exchange of energy. I think the most valuable thing in art in general is this exchange of energy with other people, like having people appreciating what you do and speaking in the same language in this, with this tool. And Instagram has a power like that. Like you can, you have your own personal platform to express yourself freely and receive input from people all around the world. So then I slowly started doing small shoots with friends of mine again, decided not to share anything at all and keep everything for myself until I'm ready. And so one yeah. day I was, I was indeed ready and I started, you know, getting back on track. And I think this is like the biggest challenge I ha I've had in my, in my photographic journey. I never expected that this would happen, but it did. And it's mm -hmm. not that uncommon. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think that a lot of people, including myself, can mm -hmm. can relate to that in, in, in the same way, in different ways. And mm -hmm. imposter syndrome is, is real and kind of feeling a, a lack of creativity or just not feeling like yourself in that way or, mm -hmm. or burnout, which is something yeah. that I think a lot of people feel um, or have gone through. It's it's real. And I love that you mentioned and that you asked for help because I think once you talk about it, you can you can work to then like yeah. overcome that. And definitely something that I can relate to as well. I mean, there have been times that I've really like had to take a step back and yeah. like not look at, like you said, Instagram can be really helpful, but for some people mm -hmm. it can also be yeah, like a source of like, yeah, it, it just comparing. Yeah. And so I love that you used it to your benefit and just reminded yourself of, you know, of your talent and just going through comments and connecting with people. I mean, I will say like Instagram has been incredible to connect mm. me to other creatives and to mm. people like you. And mm. it's just, it's so wonderful. So I love that you kind of use that to, to help you. Yes. I, it helps a lot. Like yeah. what we were saying before that you need to filter out all this, this noise that we have for our work. Everyone is you know, there are so many, there's, there's so much content out there and you mm -hmm. might lose yourself up at, uh, at one point. And I don't know, it's, it's very, very important to just keep on going and then taking a step back is okay. Like you, you're not going to lose yourself if you take a step back. It's a um, trust the process, as we say, like, yes, it's, it's, yes. it's a point in you evolving. Like my work now is much different than it was before my creative blog. I can yeah. see the difference. Even, even if I paused for three years, my work now is is much more me. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm very grateful for that. And I I do want to to stress the fact that this happens to many many creatives. I had no idea when it hit me. Like I I just I even got up to a point that I thought that I I don't like photography at all. Like I was convinced that. This maybe maybe this is not for me. Maybe this was just a phase or something like that. But as I started accepting my thoughts and my feelings, like I realized this is a symptom. It's nothing more than a symptom and you can overcome it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that you shared that. And I really appreciate you being vulnerable with that because I think it's something like you said, mm -hmm. not a lot of people really talk about mm -hmm. and not a lot of people know, maybe like, maybe people experience it, but it's yeah. you, like, you look at someone else and you, at least I have compared myself to people who I'm like, you know, their work is so beautiful. They're mm -hmm. so creative and, you know, deep down they could be feeling the same way. It's exactly. just important to just, yeah, to just remember that like we all go through it and I can totally relate to you. Like every time I go through a creative block, which I say at this point, not, yeah. not like a huge big one, but like I have them probably like mm -hmm. once a year, like mm -hmm. where I just reevaluate my work. I always come out like stronger and more creative when yes. it's over and more inspired. So yeah. like you said, trust the process because yeah. it will be okay. 
And not only that, but the, you need to remind yourself that art is it's, firstly it's for you, and then if it's real for you, it's going to be real for everyone else. If it yeah. feels, you know, robotic, then okay, you're you're kind of swept away in the wrong direction. I don't know how to phrase it yeah. exactly, but. Art is for, it's, it's your expression. You need to be in contact with yourself. So when you're in this block, remind yourself that, okay, I'm doing this for me. There's no problem if I decide I'm going to do this for me and not share it with anyone else. Like I need to remember my own voice for my own benefit. And then I'm going to have the strength to do that for other people as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that was really well said. I was going to ask you what your biggest piece of advice would be, but I feel like that's just perfect. I this love is that. It. This it's is exactly what, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I feel like we talked about everything. I mean, this was so helpful and just so informative. Yeah. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on and, you know, talking with me yeah, today on this super fun topic. Do you have any like exciting projects or announcements that you have coming up that you want to share? I do, just... have my, I do yeah. have my own projects that are coming up, but I don't want to spoil it because okay. I'm not, <laughs> I haven't, you know, prepared the whole idea, but mm -hmm. exciting things are coming. And I'm also very, very happy to have shared this with you. And I really feel that that you, you can understand this whole process and you are also very sentimental with your work and you know the sensitivity you, you have towards what you do. It's, it's very important. So I feel comfortable enough to be able to share this with you. Oh, thank you and so I'm much. Very happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Awesome. Well, can you let everyone know where they can find you and follow you so that they can stay tuned for yes. and obviously check out your beautiful work? <laughs> it's mainly my Instagram page. It's Amalia Serafimaki. So it's okay. You can. Well, I'll, I'll include it in the. <laughs> yes, I'll have it in the description yeah. and anything else that you um, have, we'll put in there so you guys yeah. can all check that out. But yay! Well, thank you so much <laughs> for sharing all of that, and thanks thank again you. for coming on the podcast. And for those who listen to the end, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D. If you liked today's episode, please let me know by leaving a review and make sure to follow for more episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at Anissa D Photography. See you back here next time for a new episode. Bye.